All right, I, uh, um, we're on the second word of Jesus. Today you'll be with me, or surely I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, how has the week been? The, um, I don't know if you guys utilize the old, well, this is the new one. I have to admit, I, I didn't use the image at all this last week, so true confessions. Where the, the the robber from the cross is a good example. We make our confession before we, you know. So, I I, I said the prayers, but I, I in, in uh in my rambling. So I did hand of a handout, and I would say that the handout is not chronological by any stretch of the imagination. It is like a pearl necklace, <laughs> it's strung just strung together, separate. And I noticed there's some wrong Bible references in my thing. I'm like, not, it's Luke 9, it's not 927, but anyways, that's close enough. All right, now, uh, is, as some of you might have noticed, oh yeah, so uh, when you leave today, pick up one of these. Oops. Yes, I made them the wrong size. But I did, I did want them a little bigger, though, because uh, the image on there is a... Uh, it's kind of a hard image to look at, but the more time you spend with it, the the more you get out of it. It's and it is a little bit uh, post dated because we are today we're talking about Jesus and the criminals that he was hung with, and this image actually has the as the author in the book says dismiss, dismiss or. Um, there is, yeah. Well, we'll you, yeah. So as we talk today, and you think about it, you might be able to draw more out of it. It's a Russian paint, well, Ukrainian painter. Uh, depending on like how you translate it, but it's uh, Nikolai or Mikolai uh, Gay G E. And Pastor Bruzik has used a, 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 a painting from him. I'm assuming it was Pastor Bruzik, because I have seen it around St. John before. Assuming. That's of, uh, of uh, the crucifixion. Okay. Um, since someone already asked about it before class, we'll just bring it up right away. Some of the language in this chapter might have sounded non-Lutheran. And in fact, it was. So, I always point out that, you know, for Lutherans, when anything sounds not like Roman Catholic, it's really, oof, break out in hives. And then when anything sounds Baptist-y, it's kind of like, nah, okay, whatever. But I have the exact opposite reaction. If anything sounds Baptist-y, I'm like, Ugh! And if it's Roman Catholic, I'm like, nah, whatever. Okay. So, uh, the language of merit came up in this chapter, uh, and we'll, uh, we, can, we can talk about it right now, and I, I include in the role of saints, because um, the author talks about how, like, what, how did Dismas, or dis, I'm just going to say Dismas, the, uh, how did he merit his salvation, or, yeah, I'll just say it that way. And uh, of course, that would uh, that that kind of is strange, 
But at the same time, the author on page 29 says, the message is clear and every good thing that happens in our lives, God acts first. Well, that sounds fantastic. But, okay, and uh, so there's two things about the, the language of merit. Uh, one would be dismisses merit, and then also the merit of the saints. So what he is talking about is, is the, um, I have to, uh, I just got a text from Pastor Bukes, so. By the way, he had his baby. I don't know if everyone knew that or not. Well, we all, both moms and dads have babies. I don't know about you, but I have four. So, I didn't birth them. I didn't say, I didn't say he birthed them, okay? He has one. I mean, unless, unless hey, does that mean I'm off the hook now? Because <clears throat> if my wife has them, then uh, I've, I've been living wrong this, the last nine years of my life. Okay. What were we talking about? Oh, merit, yes. So the, 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 uh, the, the one aspect is uh, uh, dismisses merit, and then also the, the, the lives of the saints and the merit. And uh, the guy brings up this apocryphal story, right? The, the man is, you know, how, he raises a bunch of speculative questions at the beginning of the chapter. And I think that's, that's actually part of what we do as we read the Bible. We ask ourselves, well, how could this happen? Or why did this happen? Or, or uh, you know, a variety of other things. Because I, I get asked a lot of those questions. And most of the time I say, oh, I don't know. Because, I don't know, it's on the Bible. So, um, so that's a normal process, though. As we kind of think about Scripture, we meditate on Scripture, we ask questions of the, the Bible. And so he asks a bunch of questions that, um, you know, maybe you have asked already. And, or if you haven't, you should. So a lot of those questions are good questions. But the one question is, you know, how did, how did, he, how did uh, Dismas, you know, turn to Jesus? How did he know that Jesus had a kingdom and, uh, you know, how did he know all this stuff? So he tells the story of a, the apocryphal story of how Dismas, I've read this story before. Uh, there's a nice little children's book about Christmas stories, uh, family, and it, it, they tell about this because when the Holy Family leaves Jerusalem and escapes to J- Egypt on their trip. They meet this, this boy. It turns out it's Dismas, who later on then, of course, is hanging on the cross next to Jesus. It's a nice story. <laughs> but, of course, we don't, we don't, we don't, okay, so we, we ask ourselves, you know, can you trust it? Do you have faith in it like you have faith in God? Of course not. I mean, it just, there's no certainty to it. But at the same time, again, we're just kind of playing around with these ideas right now, is, uh, hey, you know, who knows? I mean, Dismas was in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, okay, so that's a good question, yes. Uh, presumably he was a Jew, yes. So... That's right. Now, and in fact, so there is there is a there's a there's a good exa- there's a good case that or good good case to uh, argue that yeah, of course he heard about Jesus because everyone heard about Jesus in Jerusalem. In the Gospel of Luke, how do we know that everyone heard about 
Jesus in his crucifixion. Because there's one person in Luke who says, what's going on? Who is that person? It's after... That's right, Marilyn. Jesus is the only one who doesn't know that he died and rose again. No, no, uh, Cleopas and the other disciple are walking to Emmaus, and they're talking about what has transpired over the last three days. This is Easter Sunday. Over the last three days, and Jesus comes up to them. They don't recognize him, and he says, Hey, what are you talking about? And they're like, where, where, where have you been? Also, within Luke... All of Judea, all of Samaria, all of Jerusalem are coming to Jesus or hearing Jesus or lament over Jesus or something. So there's this, there's, within, the, within the, the Gospel of Luke, there's a good case to say that, you know, it's, you, it'd be hard to not know about Jesus in some form or fashion. That, that's just knowledge. That's not necessarily faith. Okay. So, yeah, Dismas probably knew who he was. But that doesn't explain faith in Jesus. Okay. So, yeah, Jesus was, I mean, Dismiss was probably a Jew. Good question, Marilyn. I should have thought about that in terms of basic stuff. Well, yeah, and I use Dismiss just because it's church tradition and it's a lot easier, easier than saying the, the criminal because even the word criminal is misleading or robber because the Greek word is for evildoer. He's the evildoer, which is, that's even harder to say. Um, and that, that, that fulfills Isaiah 53, he was counted with the transgressors. So the word is intentional, uh, that it's, it's an evildoer. Jesus is dying a sinful death, the death of a sinner. Okay, Krista. Because I just was thinking, the other thief, he knew Jesus too. That's right. Yes, so both, thief, both thieves are evildoers, criminals, knew who Jesus was. That's exactly right. Because even, so what's happening on the cross is actually also happening out in the crowd around Jesus. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, they all know who Jesus is, and they're mocking him. So, but there's also people around Jesus in the Gospel of Luke well, I, I can't remember if you can maybe. Um, oh, I'm on the wrong page here. Um, it's in Luke chapter 23, and uh, where the people had assembled, where they stood still. I, it's 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 right. It's before this. Okay. So the people stand still, or they, they remain quiet. They're just like around. Um, so they went from saying, crucify him, to now, ugh, what's going on here? And then when Jesus dies, in, and then in verse 48, all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. Mia culpa, mia culpa. They, uh, so they're, they're, they're actually... There is, there is a sign of confession going on here. So the two thieves here now are we're kind of representative. We have these, this, uh, the, the, the kind of the people who don't believe, and then the people who are calling out to Jesus, making confession. 
That's my right hand, yeah. So dismiss is always represented on Jesus' right hand. Okay. Um, so you have uh, going on on the cross. So you, but now we're back to, we've got to get back to merit here. Okay, let's just kind of cut to the chase here. So Jesus merits salvation for all. This is already represented in last week when Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Who is them in the forgive them? Everybody. So uh, it, it could. It, so if you just take a look, there's uh, not to get too nerdy, but I think I've men- maybe mentioned this hermeneutical circle, where you ask yourself, what does this say around like the Bible verse? And then you kind of do the context, and then like the whole chapter, and then the whole book, and then the whole Bible. I always like to do that. So with the word them, it could be the Roman centurions. People are actually pounding, you know, the nails. It could be the scribes and Pharisees. It could be the crowds. It could be all of Israel. It could be all Jews and Gentiles, the whole world. So the fact that it's kind of ambiguous means, you know, most things are ambiguous. We're like, oh, what does this mean? But when it says, when it's ambiguous here, it means everybody. Okay. So since Jesus, Jesus uh, says forgive them, he's, well, how can he forgive them? Well, it's because he merited the forgiveness of sins for all of them. So there is no, there, Jesus has done everything. He's, he's, he's done it. Now, in Roman Catholicism, they talk about this treasury of, they have a treasury of good works. And the saints can contribute to this treasury, and other people can draw from this treasury. The thing is, though, uh, the Augsburg Confession, Article 21, and the Apology, again, not to get too nerdy, is this is the statement that kind of makes us Lutheran. It says that the role of saints is very important in the lives of Christians. But since Jesus died for everyone, and we don't have a word from Scripture that talks about the saints' good works helping, out, helping our salvation, it, we don't believe it. But even if it's said that the saints could help us in our faith in terms of uh, meriting good works for other people, it doesn't make sense anyways because Jesus did it all. Does that make sense? Like, so the, 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 the uh, Augsburg Confession, Lutherans are very, very kind of empathetic towards this idea of saints helping our faith. Now the thing is though, saints do help our faith. And the Augsburg Confession says three ways. Uh, I think I wrote down. One, for Thanksgiving. We, we give thanks for the lives of those who've gone before us. Right? I mean, we, we, that's normal. We do that with our parents, our family members. What we should really understand is that our, fa- our family members are, include all of Christians of all eternity. We are one holy Christian apostolic church. So, um, and then they strengthen our faith, and then we should imitate them. The one thing, though, is, is that the saints also help us. Their works help us. It's a matter of where and when. Where do the works of saints help us? They're good works. Tempted? Okay, yeah, yeah maybe. You would, we'd have to draw that out a little bit more. When, when, when do the works of the saints help us? Yeah, downtrodden. On an earthly level, not on a heavenly level. 
So this is where, I mean, this, the, this is as Lutherans who say, yeah, of course the, saint, the good saints merit stuff for us. I'll tell you what, uh, Pastor Bukes is going to be, he's going to, he, there's going to be a lot of merit given to him in the form of probably like dinners and, you know, babysitting. Those are a lot of good works that are going to benefit his, him and even his faith. But as he stands before God, will they merit anything for him? No, only Jesus can do that. Okay? So, this is something that, uh, again, so the, the, the man talks about, uh, the author talks about um, Mary interceding for Dismas in this apocryphal story. And he goes, well, there it is. Of course this man would turn to Jesus because he had Mary pray for him. And also, he had met the Holy Family. So there was something already inside of him that would, of course, draw it out. Already in that language, of course, we're, not, we're no longer looking at who? Jesus. Okay. So, anyways. Let's not get bogged down about all that. But um, there is a treasury of good works, and Jesus filled it up. Yep. Sure. Because You're Lutheran and you didn't think that way. <laughs> but when I when I thought of um Pastor Budek said, you know, praying in the names of Jesus was on Sunday. Yes. And um, you know, Jesus meaning Redeemer or Yeah, God saves, Jesus saves, yeah. Yeah, so Christmas uses he uses the name of Jesus to pray. Right. Let it be so. What you've asked was in my name, and I can give that. That's right. And I, I felt like that was more than Mary. Well, then that's exactly right. So that's why it was confusing. Mm-hmm. Because he says, hey, everything's according to Jesus, God's work. But at the same time, it sounds like, wait a second, are you, are you drawing attention away? The apocryphal story in the book, I felt like, was just not super helpful. Because it was confusing. What Holly just said, though, is, is the thing. Yes, G, we... we Pray to Jesus because he is the only mediator. He's the one who can stand before Christ or God for our, in our place and say, I've done this, and what goes for me goes for this person. I've won this. I've, 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 I've earned this, if you want to use that language. Jesus has. Okay. And the fact that, so Dismas prays this prayer, which is, is a... I don't know if you guys, so think about this. So the bad guy uh, says, oh, man, hey, save us. You know, if you're the Christ, save us. You know, save yourself, save us. And Dismas is like, what's wrong with you? Stop talking that way. We have justly suffered this. We're, we're a bunch of sinners, and this is what happens to sinners. But he's not a sinner, and, you know, this shouldn't be happening. So he makes a confession about himself and about who God is. I'm a sinner, you're not. And then he draws, so he makes a confession, and then he says a prayer. So the life of the Christian, I mean, Dismas is, is, this, is a great image because he acknowledges his sin and guilt and then throws himself upon the mercy of Jesus. And he uses the word Jesus. Now, I can't remember if it says in this book, but there's only two places in Luke that uses the word Jesus. And I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. Um, 
where they, they call Jesus by the first name, which is a sign of affection and endearment. When he, when he, I mean, he looks at Jesus as, uh, as a, a very, I mean, as a loving person. I mean, someone who is, loves God and, and wants God to save him. He's not making any demands. So, yeah, uh, so Jesus merits. We can draw upon him to intercede for us. Because, and, and the fact is, though, is that the Holy Scripture has a word of promise, right? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the propitiation of our sins. Yeah, Julie. So my, I have my question. We're asking, like, why is he good or how? He, well, that's the thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, so the word good yeah, the word good always makes makes us a little hesitant, right? Because only God is good. I mean Jesus says that, right? Why do you call me good? Only God's good. Well, okay, we have to be a little bit like let's be a little flexible about the word good because Yeah, so yeah, he goes, Why is this the good thief? you know, how could he be the good thief, right? Um and and the author makes it maybe there's something inside him that makes him good. And of course, we would say, "Well, no, he's good because God, God makes him good, or God declares them good. The Holy Spirit moves in him, draws him to towards Jesus." Now, what Julia said, though, has created this this kind of a, a larger worldview to say that what's happening now is not chaotic. This is this is according to plan. God, God is the one who's moving and shaking here, so he's put. Yeah, of course he's put Dismas in this position because whatever is going on in Dismas' life, this is the best time for him to meet Jesus. Now, we're going to come back to this, but I would say that for everyone in our entire life, the best time to meet Jesus is at, at the cross. So we'll actually talk about that. Now, but we'll come back to that. Um, so, so uh, yeah. So, Jesus, God is the mover and shaker in the Gospel of Luke. What is the what is the symbol for the Gospel of Luke? It's a little test about our church architecture. It's the four Gospels. One of the heads on the the lectern. The bull, yeah. The the ox, bull, the cow. Well, I guess it could be a cow because he's a man, but uh, the bull, the ox. And ox are very deliberate, and it's very hard to move them. So in that image, in the Gospel of Luke, God is very deliberate, and he's, he has started his thing, and it's going to come to fruition. Nothing's going to stop it. In fact, um, well, so you see that in the beginning with all, like, hey, angels speaking from heaven to shepherds, and holy smokes, and but then in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, especially Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. The face of God is set towards Jerusalem. So now, for sure, in Luke chapter 9, 51, we know, it, I mean, this is going to happen. Nothing's going to stop Jesus. So there's this, yeah, so you see that within the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus is, that's why, what don't you have in one of the, so when Jesus speaks from the cross in the Gospel of Luke, there's words that 
Jesus doesn't speak that are in the other Gospels. Ones that you could say is, you know, is, is, God, is Jesus really in control? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not in the Gospel of Luke. Because that wouldn't fit with the ox moving along. Right? You get that in Matthew and Mark. I am kind of bummed out because the seven last words, none of them are quoted from the Gospel of Mark, but I just want to get that in now. Because I, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, now let, let's go back to the, uh, the best place to meet Jesus is at the cross. See, what we find out in the Gospel of Luke is that when Jesus, so you have this, this kind of, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When God remembers, that is something that started way back in the Old Testament, and it's connected with the word paradise. Uh, in the Old Testament, there is something of remembering happening. When God remembers, he comes and saves. And in the book of Exodus, uh, after 400 years, you know, or whatever, how many years the Israelites were in Egypt, they've been crying out, and then God remembered that's in Exodus chapter 2. And when God remembers, it switches in the book. God put, goes into action. So when he says, remember me, he's saying, this is, this is an action word. Jesus is going to do something. This is very important for us to remember, because remembering, to remember, pardon the pun, uh, this is for us to know is that when Jesus remembers, it's not just a, a nice thought, but it's actually an action. So in Exodus, when God remembers, he saves. Where in Exodus does God remember? In most of your translations, it's, it comes out as the word memorial. Confirmation here. In the Passover. In the Passover meal, this is a meal of remembrance or memorial. In Exodus, I just happened to avoid doing some work last night, and I, I stayed up, and I finished watching uh, the uh, most recent Exodus movie, uh, Gods and Kings, or whatever it's called. It was okay. I mean, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, they, they, didn't, they didn't make a big deal about the uh, Passover. They did, but they didn't. Um, but the whole point, though, was is how did God save them? Well, he saved them through this Passover meal. God saved Israel through eating, eating the Passover. And then God says, you're supposed to do this for, for every generation, this meal of remembrance. And now what happens in the Old Testament is every time the Passover is celebrated... They are participating in the original Passover. So when they remember this meal, this meal of remembrance, they're participating in God's salvation itself. So when Jesus is to remember Dismas, Dismas is saying, save me. Let me participate in your salvation. Now, of course, salvation goes, according to Jesus, goes through the cross itself. Um, now there's more to this Exodus. So there's kind of an Exodus theology behind it. Uh, truly I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. 
Paradise in the Old Testament, of course, is the Garden of Eden. But where else in the Old Testament is paradise brought up? Maybe not paradise as we kind of strictly think about it, but it also comes again in the book, yeah, the Promised Land, the book of Exodus. The Promised Land is paradise once they're set free from slavery. A land full of milk of honey. Hey, we're all going to be God and man are going to live together in perfect harmony. That was the original plan until the golden calf screwed it. I mean, until they screwed it up. But that, those were the promises attached to it. Um, so when Jesus says, "Say you'll be with me in paradise, he's talking about this place. Not only the place, but the place. Uh, so I think the author talks about a relationship. But the Old Testament kind of theology behind that is the promised land. So Jesus is leading this exodus. And in fact, in Luke chapter 9, I wrote 27, but that's wrong. I think it's 31. At the transfiguration, Jesus goes up to the mountain and he speaks to Moses and Elijah. And I think the ESV talks about his departure. Now, there might be a footnote. Actually, let's just I'm going to take a look. Yeah, uh, verse uh, verse thirty one, and behold, two or verse thirty, behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. Now, verse thirty one, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. And there's actually an ESV footnote in the Greek. The word is Exodus. So Jesus is leading a new Exodus into the Promised Land. And when Dismas says, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." He's saying, remember me when you come into the promised land. And when you remember, God remembers, he takes you with him. So there's all this going on in this little dialogue. So now the question is for you. Where were you put upon the cross next to Jesus in order for him to lead you into the promised land? Baptism. There's a bunch of baptismal theology in this section. Now, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says to his disciples, James and John, are you, are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized or drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And, you know, of course, they say yes. And he's like, well, no, but you will be. What, what, is, he ta- what is Jesus talking about? The baptism of the crucifixion. So what happens is, is that there is a baptismal theology going on here where Dismas is grafted into the cross of Christ. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 says it explicitly. Do you not know? That's what he says. I love that phrase. <laughs> Don't you not know that all of us who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death? So you are... You are, you are put on the cross next to, the, to Jesus. So when the author talks about God wants us to see ourselves in Dismas, that's exactly right. That's why this story is being told. So that we see ourselves in Dismas, and now we are dying the death of Christ himself. But not with fear and trembling, but with the promise and the hope of the resurrection of paradise. I mean, it's it's uh, you know the uh, yeah I, I I think about it all the time. It's a it's a it's really 
amazing to think about what's happening in the scene is that Dismas, I mean, it, it's, it's a great story of God's mercy and compassion on the last guy. But at the same time, it's, it's really a story about our salvation. I mean, us specifically. So, of course, then, when Jesus says the last will be first and the first shall be last, Dismas is the last guy, right? But when he's the last, he actually is the first. Today you will be with me in paradise. So Dismas is actually the first one into paradise with Christ because he dies with him. Now, the thing is, too, is the word today. Jesus uses the word today. Now, for I mean, wait a second. I thought Jesus rose on Sunday. So, you know, what's going on here? Well, Jesus, today is, is a very important word in the Gospel of Luke. Actually, we hear it in the Old Testament. And if you were grow, grew up in a church tradition like me, we sing this oftentimes in Sunday school. This is the day, this is the day that the... That's great. That's the same word. Today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. So today is not just a literal understanding, but it's also every day. Today is every day. In baptismal theology, um, Martin Luther says, every morning make the sign of the cross in remembrance of your baptism to what? To daily drown that old Adam. So, the story of Dismas is an everyday story. Every day we wake up and we remember our baptism and how we are grafted to the cross of Christ and how he has welcomed us into paradise. So today you will be with him in paradise. But I'm still here on earth. Okay, so now there's more to the story. There's a now and not yet aspect of what's happening. When Jesus says, forgive them, for they know not what they do, are they forgiven? Yes. The relationship with God has been restored. It's a now. But yet, at the same time, the fullness of that relationship is not yet. We see this throughout uh, the Gospel of Luke. Your reward will be great in heaven. I shouldn't say throughout. There's, there's like two, three times I think Christ says that. So there's a promise of the, re- it's, it's, a, it's a present reality, but it, it, the fullness of it is not yet. I don't know if the coffee maker is going to, like, I'm thinking it's going to blast off. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm going to duck under the table. All right, so, so the... Um, so anyways, so that's, that's all happening on here, and uh, I think I, I wrote a lot of this stuff down, so it's in here somewhere. Um, oh, the other thing too, though, is the, um, I should have maybe started with this, is the, well, I don't know, did I put it in here? Martin Luther's got this really, he's got a great little sermon. It's on the passion of Jesus, or on the passion of Christ. It's an it's a, it's a earlier sermon, and it, it was printed a lot back in those days because uh, it was so like profound for people. 
And, and Luther talks about when we meditate upon the passion or, you know, the crucifixion, which we're doing right now, it's uh, sacramental. I, should, I thought I put that in here. I should really read it because it's a lot better than me trying to remember it. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Until now, we regarded Christ's passion as a sacrament. Huh. That's interesting. Which is active in us while we are passive. But now we find that we too must be active, namely in following. How does this apply to Dismas? Well, it applies precisely because um, the cross was the means in which he met Jesus. Goes back to Julie's comment, right? If Dismas did not die and suffer a terrible death, he would not have met Jesus. So the cross is the means in which this relationship is fostered, which is that sacramental language, right? The means of grace, the means of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's what Luther means by sacrament. Well, this is really helpful for us, for anybody who suffers. Jesus meets us in our suffering precisely because he meets Dismas in his suffering. I mean, this is so helpful for us in our understanding of our life and our struggles. Is where when we believe that our suffering are signs of God's absence or maybe God's punishment or even discipline. The story of Dismas helps us understand that in fact it is the very place where Christ is drawing close to us. So think about it that way. Uh, this is going to sound strange, but Jesus had to die in order to meet Dismas. Okay, no, well, yeah, you're one step ahead here. Yes. But that applies to each one of us, right? Because we're sinners and we belong on that cross next to Jesus. We, just, I mean, Dismas' words are our words, right? We belong here because these are the consequences of sin. He doesn't belong here. So why is he here? Well, in order to meet you. In order, in order to meet Dismas. So that, that is the sacramental, that this, is, this is the thing where we're passive, Christ is active. But now, meeting Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, being enlivened by God's life, what sort of life do we live? Well, the life that goes onto the cross to meet other people the one that enters into the suffering of others in order to draw close. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know I, I, I mentioned this. Well, I talked about Mary and Elizabeth and empathy and few, like last month in December or two months ago in December. But um, Jesus is the, the great empathizer. He's the, he's the one who comes close to us in our suffering. He's the one who comes close when we when we're by ourselves, hanging on a cross. Um, but, but of course, that is the life we live. And uh, in fact, Martin Luther is, has got a lot of interesting things to say about this. Um, oh, and then, yeah, then there's this woman, Carrie Lewis, who says something. Uh, so, God lays a cross on all believers in order that we may taste and prove the power of God, the power which has taken hold, what we, they have, we have taken hold of through faith. 
So, uh, but some saw Jesus raise the dead and did not believe the evildoer, that's Dismas, sees him being put to death and yet believes. It is an upside down sort of thing, right? In our suffering, this is the part where we say to Jesus, I know you're here with me. I, I believe you're with me, sustaining me. And, and we, we say our prayers. We know he hears us. We have, we have one who, right? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So that is the, all the more that we, those are the places where we, uh, we have to lean upon him. And two weeks ago when we talked about meditation, that, that's the point of meditation. Or, uh, so we, we say our prayers, oratio. Then we, we pray or we meditate upon God's word, metatio. And then the last one is tentatio, temptation. And that temptation oftentimes is in suffering. So in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says to Peter and John and Andrew, come and pray with me and pray what? That you do not fall into temptation. Well, what is their temptation? They're not willing to suffer with Christ even though he is suffering with them. How is he suffering in the Gospel of Luke? In in the Garden of Gethsemane? Sweating blood. He's... He's, yeah, he's, he's bleeding for them. So even though they don't know it, he's there, right? Those are nice things, aren't they? That's great. Um, I, I, I'm all done. I mean, do you have any questions or anything? Any things to say? Anything? Yeah, Julie. I have another question that's not related. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's a pearl necklace, Julie. <laughs> Yes. Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, well, sometimes it literally does apply. That's right. So, like for instance, um, uh, there's a great hymn that we well, I usually just recite it. I don't sing it uh, for the commendation of the dying, the last rites, where we talk about where we. Uh, we pray that we are brought into Abraham's bosom. It's from the Gospel of Luke, right? Because Lazarus is brought into Abraham's bosom. Uh, so we say that at the combination of the dying because we are praying that this day they are brought into the present. Oh, well, now, what does Abraham's bosom mean? It means it's it, you're there. Uh, we all think we're going to meet St. Peter at the pearly gates. I think we're going to meet Abraham at the pearly gates. So Abraham draws us in and, and brings us into the presence of God. It's an Old Testament thing. Abraham is God's friend. So that's, yeah. But um, Father Abraham, yes. Okay, great. So don't, don't read too much into it. So, so we say this at that time. And, and if we're able to, we also have the Lord's Supper with someone in the commendation of the dying last rites because... That is called food for the journey. The old Latin phrase is viaticum. So we have the Lord's... It's, it's, I explain this to the children in their Lord's Supper class. Hey, when you go on a trip, what do you got to do before you leave? Go potty and get snacks. Because if you don't have snacks, it's going to be a miserable trip. So 
When one dies, you, uh, you yes, it, I mean, it's, yeah, don't read too much into my analogy. It's, but you do have food for the journey because it's going to be a miserable trip without it. But, of course, as Christians, we receive the Lord's Supper. We've received it entirely. It's not like it goes away. So it's not like you, yeah. But um, it's to encourage faith. Uh, now, okay, so then once that person dies, are they with Jesus yeah, today? Well, once a person dies, you know, time takes on a different character. We're no lo- we no longer measure time according to ourselves, but according to God's time. And that is a whole different ballgame. Because it's a, there's, can t- I get too nerdy again? There's a difference between chronos and kairos. Kronos is man's time, kairos is God's time. God's time is always the right time. And so today is, is Kairos. It's, it's, it, is, it is whatever time it is, it's the right time. It's God's time. So, you know, people say, what does that mean? Like, it's like right now or is it in the future? I'm like, yeah, it's the right time. It's, it's hard to explain. Because, right, because like, is my soul, with, is my spirit with God and then my body in the ground? Uh, it, you know, the Bible's kind of peculiar about that. It gives, it gives you two answers. One is, you're with God right away. And the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians says, you're sleeping until that day. So maybe it's both. Maybe you are with God and maybe you are waiting in the ground and sleeping. I always say, hey, a good night's rest is I always feel good at the end of it. So whatever it is, it's going to be great. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to evade the question. It's just, it's just really hard to explain. I mean, if you really concentrate on Scripture, that's why I always kind of depend upon the word kairos, is that, or kairos. It's God's time. Yeah. Donna. Um, there, isn't there an Old Testament um, passage that says that God knew us before we were born? So if he knows us, that's right. we're all through. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a pretty, pretty smart guy, so he knows a lot. <laughs> well, now you're getting into, whoa, man, holy smokes, Donna. I don't know if you heard that, but hey, we were with him before we were created. Well, now you're getting into, like, mid- medieval, uh, there's a lot of discussion about this. How can God know us and us not be around? But he knows us after we're dead. That's right. He might be in the ground. Yeah, we're not going to get into that whole discussion. But I'll let you guys think about what that means. But yeah, uh, uh, St. Augustine and a whole bunch of other medieval scholastics. How could God know us but us not be around? Or maybe we were around all the time. So does that mean we are eternal? Because if God knew us from before time, then maybe, oh, and then you get into, that's, that's dangerous territory because we're not God, are we? So there is a... A Gegenüber, I think that's how you pronounce it in German. There's a gap between us and God. You gotta mind the gap. All right. Krista. I just was when we are talking from saints, where are the angels coming in? Oh, yeah, okay, great. Uh, actually, yeah, so saints too, just I gotta say this out. Lutherans, so if the saints pray on earth for other saints, meaning. You know, baptized Christians are saints, those who have been holied, sanctified, sainted. If we pray for each other on earth, Lutherans will say, well, it makes sense that they would continue to pray in heaven. It's not like, you know, do like those things we do on earth, like stop when we get to heaven? 
they say, well, we probably get better at it, right? Don't we? I would think we become better at praying when we're in heaven. So Lutherans will say we don't have a word in Scripture to guarantee that. So, but just by logic, we would say, well, yeah, they probably would. But again, it goes, it, you know, like, am I gonna? I don't. Depend, I don't put my faith in that. I put my faith in Jesus, in His prayers. His prayers are the best. So. Ah, so the angels now. What in the world are the angels? Well, angels, is, again, is another complicated thing in Scripture. Because we have a lot of messengers of the Lord in the Old Testament. Sometimes they seem like they're people. So the heavenly angels is what we'll, we'll kind of focus on. What do the heavenly angels do? Well, they, 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 what do they do? They glorify God. What do they do? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, 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 yeah. This is in Book of Revelation, right? So, uh, I can't remember which chapter, but the saints, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the angels will, uh, uh, they're, they're praising God, and we say that in the liturgy, right? With angels and archangels and all this company of heaven, right? I mean, so we believe that. I mean, saints or angels are the ones in heaven, glorifying God, praising God. They are. Their whole point is to draw all of us towards to Christ, the throne of God. So when Holly says they minister to the saints, that's how they minister. They, they're drawing attention towards the throne. Um, oh, yeah, so the angels, then you got St. Michael, right? Yeah, so we, now we have this guardian angel business in St. Michael, and probably Gabriel, but definitely St. Michael, right? Because he's the guy who's, he's, he, he, he kicks butt. Revelation chapter 12. He's the dragon slayer. Yeah. Um, I, I love Revelation chapter 12. I mean, is, this is great for kids to read if you're interested in, like, especially boys. I mean, it is this fascinating story where, man, a woman's having a child devil's going to come and eat it or get rid of it, and then St. Michael comes out of nowhere and <laughs> slays it, throws it into the abyss, and then all of a sudden this woman is carried off into the stars. I mean, holy smokes. I, I think it's exciting. Because I, I always think about it in terms of like a movie. Well, this would be like a cool movie. There actually is a, is a, uh, a not-so-cool movie and I can't remember the name of it, uh, but Dennis Quaid is in it, where uh, some angel falls to the earth because there's going to be this like special baby born, and the demons are after the baby. And this angel who falls down from heaven, or goes down to earth or whatever, uh, even though that wasn't his job, tries to protect the baby from these demons. And lo and behold, the angel Gabriel comes down, who's this, I mean, he's this huge dude. It's pretty, and he's, he's upset about this other guy. And I can't remember the other dude's name, other angel, I should say. So it's kind of cool, but it's, it's, it's pretty much not. I don't know, it's, it could have been really cool, but. All right, why did I, oh, we're talking about angels, there we go. Is there any, I mean, any other questions or anything? I saw, uh, Holly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there's another spot 
That's what I'm saying. Yes, but yeah, absolutely. Okay, that that's the whole irony too going on in Luke or in the other. The demons always know who Jesus is. So, Nancy. What does LW stand for? Oh, Luther's works. So if you ever want to look that up, you got to go Luther's works, volume thirty, pages twenty one twenty six, one twenty seven. Yes, in fact, you know, I, <laughs> I said to myself, I'm like, you know, it's been a long time that I ever, you know, ever wrote it out, Luther's works. Just I'd put LW down because it's easier to write. And that's how they do it in, like, the books. Are you open for questions? <laughs> yeah, ask more questions. We, we technically, we, we could be done now or we don't have to be. It says um, in this chapter, yeah. the good thief discovered a way to be added to. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, beatitude becomes, uh, so beatitude is become blessed, but blessed in the absolute sense. Now, in Roman Catholicism, the, there is the ultimate kind of goal of Christianity is this union with God and the beatific vision. They call it the beatific vision. Now, Lutherans, we don't necessarily, we don't disagree with that, but, we, but there, how we are beatitude is not through seeing, but through what sense? Hearing. Yeah, that's a big deal. Because why? Because faith comes through hearing, right? So actually, Martin Luther, in some of his uh, uh, devotional writings, or some of the writings that he, he kind of talks about meditation and devotions, will talk about that. But he'll flip it, he'll flip it around. It's not about seeing things. It's about hearing things. Which, of course... You can hear something and see something what? Different. Different. Yeah. So. But the word is, yeah, so that's exactly right. So that, that's something to, so uh, dismiss, according to this guy, I'm assuming he's drawing on the fact that dismiss is seeing Jesus. Right, yes, exactly. Now, of course, that scene is faithful scene, so that's why we don't have too much of an issue with it. But at the same time, Scripture talks about hearing. It's about hearing. And Old Testament's filled with that. Yeah. Krista. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just was thinking, the, the good thief <clears throat> on the cross, um, um, he heard um, Jesus um, teaching when he was a boy. Or, you know, yeah, right. According to, yes, right. According to legend. And yeah. then um, he goes straight. He went straight. Right. And he was a, a, a yeah. And then he came back. <clears throat> he realized. Yeah, right. Is that sometimes uh, the hope that, um, for instance, my brother? Yeah, right, exactly. That, um, they heard the gospel, and it could be that they remember. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's the great, that, that's why we always have hope. That's why the last is first. That's why dismiss gives us a lot of hope. I mean, it, it gives hope, period. Um, because. You know, he's going to die. I mean, he died. I mean, he died right after this happened, right? I mean, he's, he didn't make it through the day. Remember, they or broke the legs, I should say. Um, but Jesus was already dead, so they, they, they stabbed him. Um, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So, I mean, one of the things, I, I'll tell you a story. There was a guy that we were, were caring for this was several years ago, and um, 
he he divorced his first wife and left his family. Awful things, just terrible things. Came back, was in Page Convalescent Center. We knew a family member of his. They were like, can you just go talk to him? He's just, he's dying and it's miserable. So we went, we cared for him, and he made a confession. It's great. So we buried him, we funeral, everything. I mean, it wasn't like right on the last day, but it was within the last, I don't know, year of his life. I don't know, I might have told the story. So his, uh, his sons came to the funeral, and I'm like, oh, man, isn't this great? I mean, I'm thinking this is great. Oh, his one son hated him. And he was there because he, just, he was a Christian. Like, he, he knew he should not just hate his dad, but he did. And he felt like it was cheap. It's like, he just makes this confession and he's okay. What of all the things that he did to me and my family? Oof. So that's real. All, that, that, that doesn't dismiss... You know, that doesn't just, like, just go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, you should change, don't, you know, don't be mad at your dad about that anymore. That would be a terrible thing to say. It's just that, but for for that son who's grown, I mean, he's probably his 50s, God's forgiveness is for him, too, and, and his care is for him, too. So, I mean, that's that's the radical nature of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, don't forget.